Good morning, everybody. What will you be doing this time tomorrow morning? Hopefully, we'll be in church. <laughs> but um, uh, because it's Christmas and because we're a very welcoming place and there's lots of new people back from holidays and there's a few new folk, why don't we spend a few minutes saying hello to some people we haven't seen or don't know and go say hello, I don't know you, but welcome. Um, so why don't you get up and go wish someone a Merry Christmas before Merry Christmas if you're not going to see them or, or you can welcome them. So why don't you get up and say hello to somebody. So to um, bring a few announcements to your attention. Um, this, uh, during the service there will be jam, so um, Albin will let you know when that happens, so there's, there's no making disciples. This evening at 6.30 um, we're having a, a Christmas Eve service for our young people. Um, they have a few fun things, a few different things. There'll be an opportunity for you to take some photographs with your family, um, and photographs with me. Okay. Um, at 6.30, a lot of, uh, some painting, hopefully. <laughs> um, and we're singing some carols and hearing some good music. So at 6.30, this service is not just for uh, our younger people. If you want to come to this service and have some fun, it would be great for you to support our young people during that service. And then tonight at 11.30 is our Christmas Eve service, a candlelit service. We'd love to see you there. And then tomorrow morning uh, is our Christmas morning service at 10.30. So 10.30, if you come at 11 o'clock, we'll be walking out the door at that stage. So we'd love to again see you at those services. We come this morning to worship God. We come this morning to remember that we celebrate the birth of Jesus who brings us hope and joy, peace and resurrection. Let us start our service in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time of year where we can experience the joy and hope of the birth of Jesus Christ. To be reminded that Jesus was born so that we can be free. That Jesus was born so that he could walk amongst us and know what it was like to experience the things that we experience. Father, as we come to worship you this morning, as we sing those songs and take part in the prayers and the readings and hear your word, may your spirit work within us. May we feel lighter because we come to realization that you love us and that Jesus Christ is a symbol of that. Be with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. Our first hymn is O Little Town of Bethlehem. Have you all your presents wrapped? Yes. Well, I haven't. So guess what I'll be doing later on today. But this month we have been doing something together. Every Sunday we've been unwrapping Advent. We've been trying to think again about the big themes and the big messages of Advent. And we began beginning of the month with the gift of hope. And when we thought about hope, this is what we discovered. When you break it down, hope is holding on to promises expectantly. Then the second week, we discovered this gift of peace. And when we thought about peace together, this is what we discovered, that peace is placing everything always in Christ's embrace. And then last week, we looked at the gift of joy. And when we break down joy, it's Jesus offered for you.
And that brings us to the last gift to be unwrapped in this Advent season, and it's the gift of love. I've had the, the, the real blessing uh, over the last little while of having two of my children at home with me. And uh, both of them, for a short time, were working in the same um, uh, company, in the same establishment. And once or twice, I've had to pop in to speak to them or to uh, pass on messages. And I've had to speak to a, a member of staff and say, I'm Jared's dad or I'm Neve's dad. And they've called them and that's been great. But it's been interesting that on all of those occasions when I've done that, the member of staff has looked at me and, and then this moment of realization, they go, he looks just like you. She looks just like you. Now, I'm not sure that either Jared or Neve were terribly impressed with that, but as a parent, I was thrilled. There's nothing that will give you a greater sense of, of encouragement than to know that your children look like you. And what's true for us as human parents is even more so for our Heavenly Father. He wants us to be like Him. He wants us to display His love to the world. And so when we break down this word love, bring up the next slide, please, and break it into its constituent parts, this is what we get. Letting others view Emmanuel. That's what God sent Jesus into the world to let us see His love and experience His love and enjoy His love. And that's what He now calls you and I to do, not just at Christmas, but do throughout our lives, to let others view Emmanuel. And later on in the service, we're going to try and figure out what that might look like for us in Belfast in the 21st century. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful season of Advent. We thank you for these great themes, these great messages of hope, of peace, of joy, and of love. We pray you will help us, not just at this Christmas and Advent season, but into this new year that lies ahead of us. You'll help us to live out this hope, holding on to promises expectantly that we will demonstrate and declare the peace of Christ as we place everything always in Christ's embrace, that we will uh, relish the fact that Jesus was offered for you and for me and know the joy that comes from that and that you will empower us by your Spirit to let others view Emmanuel through us. Hear our prayer and continue with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and sing together as I light the final candle. See him lying on a bed of straw. Let's stand. Let's worship together. Take your seats. We'll let our young people leave us for jam. The Presbyterian Church in Ireland is sometimes known as PCI. We like to shorten things down. And if you take those letters, PCI, you can actually discover something important about the, the mission and purpose of our church it's, uh, it's about compassion. It's about um, presenting that and partnering in that. And it's about doing it internationally. And this, this World Development Appeal is an opportunity that we have every year to join together with all the other Presbyterian churches across the island that make up PCI 
and together we can gift something to another part of the world uh, that is struggling uh, to cope with just the daily basics. And uh, for 2017, uh, we're going to be uh, partnering with Tier Fund, and we're going to be partnering uh, with the people of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I, I don't know if you know much about that part of the world. I, I didn't really know much about it until I, I, I did a bit of research. There are 3.7 million people within the, Dem the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo that are displaced. In other words, they're not living where they, they want to be or should be. And they're displaced because of internal conflict, uh, because of poverty, because of all sorts of difficulties that they're facing. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. Yet it's huge. It's the size of Europe. And uh, it has lots of natural resources. But there's a lovely story that's happening in uh, Congo at the moment with our partner uh, organization, Tear Fund. This group of ladies in a particular village have got together. And they've got together with a very specific reason. They want to um, be able to to bring together enough resources to create a medical center for their local village. Because currently, if a woman is uh, expecting a baby and there are complications, for her to get to a hospital, uh, the only means of transport, and if you flick on a couple of slides, uh, that just shows you their pharmacy, with very little in it. This is how they get uh, to the hospital, not with the big truck, but on their motorbike. It's called a motorbike taxi. Can you imagine that you're heavily pregnant, there's a problem with your pregnancy, you're being rushed to hospital, and it takes three hours along a dirt track on the back of a motorbike. And so the women have decided they want to do something about that. And so this, our partner, Tear Fund Organization, are helping them with their own growing and selling of products and produce and they are putting a little bit of money aside from that into a fund. And so when, at the moment, when someone uh, is expecting and there's a complication and they need to get to hospital, they can actually um, hire a proper taxi to get them there in more comfort and get them there quicker. But their ultimate aim is to establish a medical center for their village and the surrounding area, not just for pregnant women, but for the whole community. And they are trusting in Tear Fund, and they're trusting in the partners of Tear Fund, and primarily they're trusting in God. Here's a wonderful opportunity for us to contribute to the work of Tear Fund, and to do so in a way that will make a huge difference to the lives of the people in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So the World Development Appeal is happening this weekend and indeed next weekend, and then we want to get the money off as quickly as possible uh, through our partners in Tear Fund to help fund projects such as this. I commend that to you uh, and ask you to consider prayerfully how you can be a partner together with PCI and Tear Fund in making a difference in helping this beautiful idea come to reality. Thank you. Let us pray. 
Gracious God, we come before you in worship as we celebrate this Christmas season. You are our wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Help us to keep you at the centre of everything as we enter into the festivities. Keep us focused on you and the birth of your Son amid all the distractions and commercialisation of the season. On this holy night, you gave us your Son, the Lord of the universe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, the Saviour of all, lying in a manger. On this holy night, draw us into the mystery of your love. Join our voices with the heavenly host that we may sing your glory on high. On this holy night in which God joins heaven and earth, let us offer our prayers for our church, our world, and for those in need. We pray for the church around the world as it celebrates the birth of Christ. Bless all those who are entrusted with Christian ministry, that your word might be proclaimed with truth and courage across our world. Sustain and strengthen our PCI missionaries who have devoted their careers and lives to bringing the good news of Jesus to far-flung and sometimes difficult and dangerous parts of the world where Christian people are reviled and persecuted. Here at home, Lord, we pray for our ministers, Alban and Brent, as they plan and lead our Christmas services. Through their prayer and teaching, we ask that you may reach out to those in our church family who do not yet know you. Open their hearts to your great love for them and help us all to share your truth and be your light. Lord, we pray for our broken world. Grant wisdom and justice to all who govern, that in honouring the earth and its diverse races, cultures and religions, we may celebrate the light of this holy night. Grant reconciliation to those affected with conflict and violence, that they may live in the peace of this holy night. Bring your healing presence to all those places where people are suffering disease, injury, homelessness and persecution because of the actions of others, that they may experience the hope of this holy night. Heavenly Father, we remember those for whom Christmas will be difficult. Lord Jesus, you were laid in a humble manger because there was no room for you in the inn. Let us pray for all who are cold, hungry or alone this night and have nowhere to call home. Be with our brothers and sisters in our city of Belfast who will sleep on the street tonight that they may feel the shelter of this holy night. Embrace with your tender care all those who are anxious, depressed or ill. Draw near to those who find this season a source of pain or grief and to all who are suffering or sick, especially those in our own church family that we name silently in our own hearts before you now. May they feel the comfort of this holy night. Let us pray for parents striving to bring up their children in an increasingly secular society. Strengthen families in the bonds of love and commitment that they may delight in the joy of this holy night. And let us pray for ourselves and give thanks for the blessings of Christmas. Open our hearts to your presence that we may be transformed by the new birth of this holy night. 
We are grateful, Lord Jesus, that your story has become our story. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus, may we take to heart the wonder of your love, walk in your ways, and delight in your will. Help us, Lord God, to be the faithful, gracious, loving, giving, and forgiving people you would have us be. Amen. The reading is taken from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we, and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thanks, Rachel. Our next hymn is How Deep the Father's Love for Us. I guess all through our Christmas uh, celebrations, the one thing we want people to leave with is just how much they are loved by the Father. We want the Father's love to touch them. So as we sing this hymn together, may that fact soak deep within your hearts. Let's stand and sing together how deep the Father's love for us. Okay, who's, who's up for a Christmas quiz? Four. <laughs> Four people are up for a Christmas quiz. I mean, I'd understand your reluctance if this was the middle of February or July, but it's Christmas Eve. Okay. I'm going to read you a line from a Christmas song, a well-known Christmas song. I want you to guess the title. All right? It's not difficult. Okay? I'm not even going to ask you to sing it. But I might. Okay. We're snuggled up together like the birds of a feather would be. 
It's not a way in a manger. Well done, Brent. Somebody's, somebody's getting, that's the right rhythm. That's the right rhythm, yes. Hum it if you want. Oh, no, now, now mother and daughter are getting into the same rhythm. This could spread. Well, the title I have is Sleigh Ride. Is that the same one? No, it's Sleigh Ride. It's Sleigh Ride. Okay, we'll go for a slightly easier one. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. It's let it snow. You've got all, you've got this baby, it's cold. Right, okay, this one, this one you'll definitely get. I hope. <laughs> Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't be the same, dear, if you're not there with me. Blue Christmas, well done. And this one everyone will get, and you can almost join in. In the meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brent. He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man. But you can do the job when you're in town. Winter Wonderland. Excellent. Wonderful songs. I could have picked lots and lots of them. And it's interesting, they all have something not just to do with Christmas, but to do with love. It's Christmas Eve, and I discovered an interesting fact about Christmas Eve this week when I was doing some research. And it's this, that according to research, Christmas Eve is the most popular day in the whole year for marriage proposals. I'm looking to see who's nervous. It is. The second day is Christmas Day. The third on the list is New Year's Day. And Valentine's Day, strangely enough, only comes fourth. So Christmas, it would seem, is really the holiday of love. The holiday of love. Now, when it comes to understanding love, another group of researchers discovered the, the best answers, uh, the, ones, the answers with the greatest breadth and depth and insight, uh, came when they presented the question, what does love mean to a group of four to eight-year-olds? Here's what they had to say about love. Amy, who was six years old, said, love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your french fries without taking any of theirs. That was love. Jenny thought that love is when mummy makes daddy a cup of coffee and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. <laughs> Noel said, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and he wears it all the time. <laughs> and Billy, age five, said, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas, if you stop opening presents and listen. Love is what's with you in the room at Christmas when you stop opening presents and listen. Fabulous. And Christmas is a love story. Christmas is God's love for you and me writ large. God could not have found a more powerful, personal, or transforming way to love us 
than by sending his son Jesus into the world. The reading that Rachel read to us, it was to be Alison, but Alison doesn't have a voice this morning. Brian's sitting with a great big smile and cheering. <laughs> Alison, we wish you a speedy recovery. But Rachel stepped in and read that passage for us. And you may have been expecting this morning that we would have been reading from Matthew's Gospel or from Luke's Gospel, uh, something that involved uh, angels and shepherds and stars and wise men. And there was none of that. But actually the reading that we had this morning is perhaps one of the most beautiful presentations of the Christmas story in all of Scripture. Because this passage captures the essence, the heart of the Christmas story. Let me read just a couple of verses to you again. John says, This is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. That's the first step in this amazing love story. The first step is taken by God. God steps into our world. He doesn't remain aloof and apart from us. He doesn't remain uh, in, in kind of looking down his nose in judgment. He doesn't turn away because we've stuffed up and we've messed up. God steps down into our mess. He comes to put his arms around us in our mess. He comes to love us. And he does so in the person of his son, Jesus. That's the first amazing step. But John, as he unpacks this for his readers, and John, by this stage, John's the disciple the one who followed Jesus. And he's written these letters to young Christians, to young churches. He's getting to the end of his life. And he wants to point them in the right direction. He wants them to be focused on the right thing. He wants them to keep the main thing the main thing. And right throughout this letter, indeed all of his letters, this word love occurs again and again and again. It's more concentrated here than anywhere else in Scripture. John just keeps really relishing using this word love and looking at it from every possible angle. It's, it's like when you get a toy when you're small and you pick it up. I can remember one of our children opening with great enthusiasm a, a, a gift on Christmas morning and they lifted it out and they looked at it and they turned it around and they looked at it again and they went, this is wonderful, I love it. And then a few seconds later they said, what is it? And maybe that's where we struggle a little bit too. We can hear someone uh, passionately encouraging us from the front of the church that this is amazing, but we're going, well, what is it? And what does it do? And how does it affect us? Well, John goes on to unpack that. And in verse 11, this is what John uh, tells us uh, to do. John says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We also ought to love one another. Uh, we hear that again and again. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm sitting in the pew and someone is saying, you need to love, you need to forgive, you need to be gracious, you're sitting there going, but 
I don't have it in me to do that. I really struggle with that. There are people I find really, really difficult to love. There are people I find really, really difficult to love. Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, says, May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. Trees, we know, need soil in order to draw their nutrients and to enjoy moisture and to to thrive. And Paul is saying, we need to be like that too. Hands up anybody who's got a real Christmas tree in their house. Oh, great, lots of us. You've discovered by this stage, I'm sure, that your needles are beginning to fall. And actually, as time goes on, they'll fall more. They'll keep on falling. Unless you buy one of these genetically modified ones and they hang in there for a bit longer. But then they start to to look a bit sad. After a, a few weeks, they begin to look sad. And when you take them out of the house, they leave a bit of a mess. And then they they begin to disintegrate. They fall apart. Because they're not designed to be separated from the source of their nutrients and the source of their moisture. You and I can be a bit like Christmas trees. We can look wonderfully alive from a distance, bright and shining, excited, but we get a bit closer, we discover that it's mostly decoration, that really we're just hanging on We're struggling. We have things in our lives that weigh us down. We have people in our lives that make us uncomfortable, make life difficult. And what we need to do, we can't because we don't have the resource, because we're not connected to the source of where the love comes from. And that's from God. At first sight, bright and shining, but life is really missing. We're grounded in the wrong soil. Sometimes we we try to feed off the love of other people and hope that that will inspire us to, to be more loving. And then we discover that other people are fickle. And they might love us one day, but not the next. And then we we try to rely on our own resolve. We're going to dig down deep and we're going to really give it another go. And then we discover that we're really quite frail and we don't have lots of resource. And we use that up very quickly and we feel miserable as a result. John here tells us to rely only on God's love. And John tells us to receive God's love. If we're going to live lives of love, If we're going to love one another, then we first of all, we've got to receive what God offers to us in Jesus. We've said that Christmas Eve is the holiday of love. Well, if that's true, then the passage in Scripture that is most associated with love and marriage and weddings, and the one I've heard read scores of times over the years, comes from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 
13. I'm going to read just a few verses from that passage for you just now, just to remind you. You'll recognize it as soon as I start to read it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. During the week when I was uh, researching for this sermon, I came across an author who uh, shared a story from his own life that where he'd been challenged by a friend to read this passage, but instead of the word love, to put his own name in place of it. And I thought I'd try that as well. And so it would read like this. Alban is patient. Alban is kind. Alban does not envy. Alban does not boast. Alban is not proud. I've really got to stop there because it's not actually ringing true. And um, I've got a whole lot of my family here this morning. More than I usually have. A great big bunch of them. And if I keep this up, they're all going to really burst out laughing. And if you want to know the truth about what Alban's really like, then they will willingly, uh, not even for a fee, tell you. It doesn't ring true if I read it like that. Maybe it won't ring true if any of us were to read it like that. And if that's how we read it as something that we are supposed to achieve and attain in and of ourselves, then it's going to be the most miserable piece of Scripture because it's going to leave us feeling deflated and guilty and worthless. And what's the point? There's an impossible standard here. There's something that seems beyond our reach. How could anyone make that standard? How could anyone reach the height and depth and breadth of love that's described here? No one. No one. Except Jesus. So let me read it again. I'm going to put a different name in this time. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus is not rude. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. How would it be we stop reading that passage as something we cannot produce and read it as something we cannot resist. It's not about us. It's all about Him. And Christmas 
It's not about us. It's all about Him. It's all about the God who loved each one of us so much that He wasn't prepared to see us struggle. He wasn't prepared to see us try and handle life with all its challenges and pain and disappointments, but rather a God who wanted to reach out and pour His love into us. I wonder if that's something that you've been longing for. I wonder if somewhere in your life there's someone who should have loved you and didn't. Or someone who could have loved you and didn't. Someone who abandoned you, rejected you, walked away from you, betrayed you, hurt you in the most unspeakable way. And you've carried that pain and that scar and that hurt. And it's made it almost impossible for you to love anyone else. In fact, it's made it almost impossible for you to love yourself. You're left wondering, does anyone care? Will anyone care? I want you to hear heaven's answer to that. And here it is, that God cares for you. That God knows the journey you have been walking on. He knows that hurt. He knows that pain. He knows how deep it goes. And he's saying to you this morning, I can heal that. I can change that. If you let me, I can pour my love into your life. A love like you've never known before. A love that will heal you and make you complete. A love that will set you free from your past and all the shame and the guilt and the pain. And a love that will empower you to walk out into the world, into your family, into your business, into your community and give love that's worth giving. God is here. As little Bobby said, love is what's with us in the room if we'll just stop opening the presents and just listen. Let's pray. Father, so often words just fail us. And yet words, that's all we've got. And so with, with the best of our efforts, we want to say to you, wow, amazing. You love us. With all our, our failures, with all our frailty, with all our good intentions that come to nothing, with all the promises that we make but never deliver on, you love us. Father, 
help us not just to grasp that as a concept in our mind. We can easily sit here and nod, God loves us. But you want more than our nodding acceptance. You want us to open up our lives to that love. And Father, if we're truly honest, that scares us. Because we struggle to open up our lives to anyone. And yet you have demonstrated that you are the one who always protects, always perseveres, never fails, keeps no record of wrongs, is patient and kind. So give us the courage this morning. If we've never done this before, give us the courage just to open up our lives and say, Lord, let your love come into my life. Take away my hurt and pain and sin and disappointment and failure. And fill me with a love that will power me to live loved. Live in a way that will impact my family and my neighborhood and my business and, and everywhere I go. That it won't be me, but you working through me. That I will let others view Emmanuel in me. Lord, by your Spirit, do this in us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to wind up our service with one more carol this morning. Remember, half six for the kiddies and, and families, but anyone's welcome, and then half eleven tonight, and then half past ten tomorrow. We are going to be so church by the end of it, um, but by this time tomorrow, I'll be in a heap somewhere. Um, uh, hoping that uh, uh, I can muster enough energy uh, to uh, peel the sprouts and, uh, uh, and roast the potatoes and do all those wonderful things that we all do on Christmas Day. And I want to, on behalf of the ministry team here at Storm, I wish each and every one of you a really happy Christmas uh, and a wonderful new year. Although I'll get a chance to do that again next week. And I hope you'll come and join me next week uh, at 11 o'clock. But we're going to stand now and we're going to sing together Hark the Herald Angels. At the end of the service, no tea and coffee this morning. I'm going to let you go off to your families. We know you have lots to do. But there is a prayer team. So if something has spoken to you this morning, if God's been, been doing something in your life or there's something that's been weighing on you all week about yourself or about a family member or whatever, a couple of members of our prayer team are here and they would just love to pray with you. You can tell them lots or you can tell them nothing at all. And they will happily pray with you this morning. So let's stand then and sing together. Hark, the herald angels sing. And now may the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ and the extravagant love of God the Father and the intimate friendship of God the Holy Spirit be with each one of you, now and always. And the people of God said, Amen. <laughs>